long ago. Dr. Jaretta Marshall, she'll stand up right there. Um, Jaretta and I got to serve on the board of Reconciling Ministries Network for three years, where we did a lot more of that walking into Jerusalem just like John. And she is now the uh, president of Bright Divinity School in Fort Worth. So if any of you are thinking about going to that school, Jaretta is now who you will find there, helping them let all of their clergy and pastors know how to do that walking so that you can talk to power in that way. And so we're in that kind of story this morning with Jesus still. We're still in that same chapter of Luke that Reverend Kristen preached about last week. Remember that hard one where Jesus was playing with our mind? Remember that? It ended, it got to the place where at the end of it she said, you cannot serve two gods, you cannot serve both wealth and God. You cannot serve, it got to that place at the end of it. And I want to tell you what happened between last Sunday and this Sunday, at least in Luke in this chapter. What happened between those two Sundays is Jesus got a little bit of response. The Pharisees, who were people who may have loved money, at least that's the way it's shown in this part of the scripture, ridiculed Jesus, saying that's not the way it is, ridiculed Jesus. And so after that teaching, Jesus gets some ridicule. And so Jesus walks right in. In that moment of that ridicule, Jesus says, you know what? I know you people. You people sign divorce decrees just like this so that you can get rid of wives you don't like anymore and you put them out on the street where they have nothing. They don't have a way to live or eat. They don't have anything anymore because you took them as a wife, you made a commitment to them, and you're throwing them away. And in that time, in that place, that meant they were destitute. And so they're ridiculing Jesus, and Jesus turns right around to them and says, I know who you are. You're throwing people you've used up on the street, and you're not taking care of them. And so that's what begins the story today. I don't know about you. Would you like to have this Jesus preaching to you right here Sunday morning? You know? Remember a few weeks back we talked about how Jesus interpreted the scripture. Dr. Cheryl Anderson from the school in Chicago, she said, Jesus first looks at the impact of the scripture on the most marginalized, those women who were getting kicked out on the streets. Then Jesus looks at the scripture from the values of the tradition, mercy and justice. Jesus looks to see if what you're doing matches. Are you being merciful? Are you being sure justice is enacted? Are you doing those things? And in the story, we heard those things again. Moses and the law and the prophets, Elijah and Moses, are we following both the law and the prophets? It doesn't say the law or the prophets. It says the law and the prophets. Are we doing both mercy and justice? And then the last requirement Cheryl said that Jesus had when he looked at scripture was, what does this have to do with love and how you're treating your neighbor? So remember those things as you're looking at this scripture. Jesus is replying to them, those who've been ridiculing him and saying, I know who you are. God's not happy with you. Let's see if I can make it even a little bit more clear. And so we get this story today. There was a rich man in purple, and purple means you're rich. I don't know about you, but you've seen some of our religious hierarchy and traditions. Who wears purple? Bishops. If you're not from a con if congregational, if you're from Episcopal or Methodist or Catholic, that purple means the person has power. That purple means the person has wealth. Sometimes that purple, depending on your tradition, means you have to kiss their ring. You know? 
I don't know if y'all know some people like that. Had to kiss any rings in your life? I'm not sure. But so Jesus is telling this story about purple people, you know, and that these purple people are having a difficult time, you know? We're telling this story because this person has enough, more than enough. And this person lives in such a way that their heart is not open to the others that God puts right in front of them. Lives in such a way behind a gate with a table. Lazarus is there on the floor outside the gate every day. This person has to pass them once or twice a day, but this person can't even see Lazarus. Joel, when he walked over me, did you notice he at least saw me? Even if it wasn't to trip himself, he at least saw me so that he knew I was there. But we, we sometimes don't see people in your life. Who do you not see? Where have you walked many times? And where have you not seen what's right before you? Well, Jesus is talking to you today if you've done that. Jesus was talking to all of those Pharisees who ridiculed him, saying, I know who you are. Your hearts aren't open. You cannot even see what is right before you. These ridiculers. He even goes a step further to confound their logic. He says, you know, Lazarus is the one that gets the halo. I know you think that because you're wealthy in this world, you've been blessed and God loves you and you're rewarded because of your specialness and that Lazarus has been cursed and that God's judgment is on him. But I want to tell you this, Jesus says, it's the other way around. It's the other way around. For those who live behind gates, for those who live in gated communities, the man was outside this gate Jesus says, open those gates, open your heart, allow me to touch you, break you open, so that you can see what's right here before you. Not only was there a gate in the story, there was a table. It said Lazarus just longed for the crumbs that would fall from the table. I don't know if you feasted at any of those tables, any of those tables that are so full of food that stuff just drops on the floor either because you're a sloppy eater or just because there's just too much on it. You know, Lazarus even longed for just the food. That, so there's enough, but not if you don't see. There's enough, but you have to be able to have your heart touched in order to be able to connect. So Jesus describes this to these folks and says that there's going to be a chasm so great that you won't be able to cross it. You will have made choices to love money so long in your life, wealth so long in your life, that you won't be able to find your way across back to God's love. You will have picked. You will have forged those chains. Do you remember Scrooge? You remember that movie, that Christmas movie, where it says, you know, Marley and Scrooge, Marley's visiting him to give him a warning. And he says, I forged each of these links in this chain I carry. Each of them. And so Marley comes back to try and get Scrooge to have a better life. And it needs even more than Marley. It needs more, more, three ghosts to be able to get Scrooge to turn around. And we love it. We celebrate with Scrooge when he has a new heart, when his heart is broken open, when he's able to see people in front of him. He's able to respond in generosity. We celebrate. We clap with him. Because actually I think what happens is we know we are him. We are the person in purple. And we know that we too have the chance 
we too have the chance to move forward. See, I don't think this chasm is something we can't cross. I think this chasm is an opportunity for our hearts to be opened up and for God to step in and fill us so full that we see what's right before our eyes. I think this chasm is an opportunity that God continues to reach out to us right in the midst of when we don't see. Sometimes we just are so caught in our own lives behind those gates that we don't allow it. Uh, do y'all remember a Super Bowl commercial back when with Mean Joe Green? You remember who he is? Mean Joe Green. You know, he, he is going off the field tired and hurting, and he doesn't want to be bothered. He doesn't want to be bothered at all, much less by some kid. He doesn't want to be bothered. He's going down that hallway, and the kid says, hey, do you need some help? And I want to tell you that's the first, first task of people to be generous, is to be able to answer that question with, yes, I need some help. Yes, I do. But mean Joe says, no, no, no. Keeps going down. The kid pushes at him again. I can ha I have a Coke. You want a Coca-Cola? Y'all remember that? Coca-Cola solves the problems of the world. <laughs> but here, here, finally, he gets over himself, and mean Joe actually receives the offering of the child and throws the jersey back. And what happens? Our hearts melted. We all went, oh, look at that. Because we know it's us. We know in that place and time that in our hearts that we can finally let go and let God fill us so fully that we can receive a gift from another and that we can respond in gratitude. So Jesus is talking to these Pharisees this day. Jesus is saying to them, open those gates. Share some of that food that's on your table. You know, the way you're living is not abundance. The way you're living, the safety, the fear, the security, the way you're all locked in is not the life I have for you. Jesus is inviting them down a different road, down a different road, even while they are laughing at him. He says, I know who you are. This is what you need to do. So what chasms are you creating in your own life? When have you said, not in my backyard? When have you not seen the person and walked over them, around them, or around the block or the other side of the street? And it doesn't have to be somebody right there on the street. It could be someone in your own home. You know, when have you not seen? When have you not listened? When have you allowed the chasm to grow instead of jumping into it to find out what wisdom it has for you? Because there's wisdom there. I remember one time when I was... Um, trying to figure out how to respond to changes in life and what did I need to do next. And so I took a spiritual renewal leave and I went to the Rio Grande River and spent a month there along the river. And I'll talk about a chasm. That thing's big. And that thing's deep. And you got this big tall side on one and on the other and it's deep in between those. You know what's there? There's a freeway right goes across that thing. And as you go out in the middle of it and you look over the end, what you'll see is the depths. It was sort of frightening. Walter came to visit me in the middle of my time there, and it was just fantastic for him to be with me. And at the same time, there was a chasm between us. Because I'd been on my own in solitary for these weeks, and he came from life, full of things to do. Let's see everything. Let's go around. Let's look and walk. And I'm going, ah, <laughs> slow down. I've been praying every day. You know? 
But right there, our two worlds clashed. In the middle of it, we went to the Rio Grande River, and, and I went and I looked and looked down into the chasm that was there to see the beauty of it. And Walter says, I'm not going out there. You're crazy. <laughs> we live in different worlds. But it's amazing. Sometimes we think those chasms are so big and so deep and uncrossable and entrenchable and there forever. And sometimes they're as small and tiny as in the same queen-size bed, not listening to the partner that's there beside you. I don't know about you, but chasms are created all the time, and Jesus asks us to walk right in the middle of them and to be free to open our hearts. And as we open our hearts to express love back and forth, to be generous with who we are, and in so doing, receive that little halo that Joel tried to put on my head because you will be living life abundant. So what does it mean to be creators of chasms or to be the ones who drop in, jump in, swim in to those chasms that are there? What does it mean to take that risk with abandon into that generosity? It's an amazing challenge and it has amazing rewards to come outside the hearts that are gated into this world. I don't know, but there's other ways that you may do this too. It may not just be about money or your partner. It may be about information you share and don't share. I don't know if you've ever helped someone try to come out to their family. Have you done that? Have you made that decision yourself? Deciding when to share and when not to share. Have you ever done that? Maybe decide one way, go back the other way, back and forth a couple of times till finally you take an action that may or may not have resulted in what you wanted. You know, I've heard people in my office say things like, I can't tell them that because then they won't love me anymore. And by choosing that, what they did was they built a chasm between themselves and their family because you see, they chose how much their family could love them by not sharing information. They chose how much, how close, how much a part of the life they would be by keeping information from them. I'm not saying it was bad, I'm not saying it was wrong, I'm just saying where they were at that point in time started a chasm. You know, we've left to be safe in New York and San Francisco and now in Houston, some of us from other towns, creating that geograph geographical chasm. Yeah. So what does it mean that we do these in our own lives by choices we make of what we reveal about ourselves, how vulnerable we are, Oh, on the other side of that, I chose to come out to my family, or at least to be honest when they asked. A little bit different strategy in that. Didn't want to have to lie. I was honest when they asked. But I tell you this, I would much rather have that distance be built on honesty rather than a secret. I would much rather them know, and if they choose to be separate from me, have them be separate from their choice. Not because I have chosen how much they could love me and kept information from them because I know better than they know. So Jesus is talking to people who want to live behind those gates, who want to control information, control the wealth, who don't want to be touched, who don't want to be vulnerable, who don't want to risk. And he's saying to them, your soul is at stake. Your heart is at stake. I want you to have abundant life. Choose another way. Jump into the chasm. Allow yourself to see what's right there before you. 
When Walter came to visit me, I'd been doing a special prayer meditation that month. It started off with a traditional prayer, and you may know this. Jesus, um, Jesus, son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Have you ever heard that? Some of you Catholics may have. Jesus, son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And you do it as a mantra. You breathe in, you breathe out. Jesus, son of the living God, breathing in, have mercy on me, a sinner. And it's a practice, and you repeat it over and over again as part of it. Well, about day two, I realized that language didn't work for me anymore on this 30-day spiritual renewal trek. It just didn't work for me anymore. And so it started to change as I would do this meditation every day. And as it started to change, it turned into many different things. But where it ended up was something like this. Jesus, lover of my soul, unfold me. Jesus, lover of my soul, unfold me. And in that prayer practice, it helped me open my heart to be more generous. It helped me to be, realize that my, I was gated. I was playing it safe. I was trying to not be hurt. And what God was calling me into was a new path where being hurt might be part of it, yeah. But that I was still called to jump into that chasm and to move forward. And so with Walter by my side... We went forward. Jesus, lover of my soul, unfold me. When we try to be a generous people, when we try to move from a purple people to a people who can see others, to a people who can open our hearts, the first place to start is prayer. The first place to start is to find your way back to God and to listen to what God is saying to you at that moment in time. And maybe the first thing is a plea, Jesus, unfold me release anything in me that keeps a barrier between me and others release anything in me that keeps me from connecting open all of the gates my table don't let food fall off of it let me hand it to others so start in prayer center in Christ Jesus lover of my soul unfold me, free me to be who you would have me be. And so this week, Kristen gave you a prayer last week, gave you this prayer this week, to try and remember and speak that to yourself daily. Do it for about five minutes. Just breathe in and breathe out. Jesus, lover of my soul, unfold me. But more than the prayer, I want you to walk into the chasm where we may not have seen and so I invite you to do this, this practice. And it's a spiritual practice. I invite you to go to the bank and get 10 $1 bills and put them in your wallet. 10 $1 bills and put them in your wallet. And each time during the week, you see someone, you see someone. I want you to give them one of those dollar bills to that person who's in need. I want you to see them. Not just hand them the money and walk by. See them as God's beloved, as God's creation, and to give them that dollar. Now, I'm asking you to do 10 of those during the week. And I'm asking you to pay attention to when you run out. You run out of all $10 on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. Because I might ask you next Sunday, when did you run out? Okay, because sometimes our fear is that if we respond to care, if we respond to need, we're just going to be flooded. We're going to be overwhelmed. We're not going to have enough resources. But all I'm asking you to commit to is 10 
single dollar bills to 10 individuals this week who may ask you for help or that you see for the first time. I know sometimes we actually say, well, I'm doing this for their own good. They need to step up by their own bootstraps. My mama taught me to practice tough love. You know that phrase, tough love? The problem with it is it has the word love in it. You can only practice tough love if you've loved. And you only really love if you see the other person. And so I invite you to practice tough love because that means the first step is for you, you have to see and you have to love. And then you have to help people on their way. So this week, this week, Jesus, lover of my soul, unfold me. And every time someone says up to that $10 amount, hey, I need some help, can you help me? You say yes. And in this way, Jesus tells us we will have life, the gates will be open, and it will be abundant. Thanks be to God. Amen.